Hi, I'm Simon Drew, and you're listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast. If you'd like to find more episodes of the show, as well as articles and information about my one-on-one alignment coaching, then you can head to my website. It's simonjedrew.com. If you do have the means to support the show, then I'd love to see you in my Patreon community. Just go to patreon.com forward slash simonjedrew, where you'll also get access to over 240 episodes recorded before 2020. But for now, enjoy the show. Hey everyone, thank you so much for spending your time here listening to the Practical Stoic Podcast. Now, today I'm going to be taking a brief hiatus from the purely philosophical, and I'm going to be talking to Harry Terrell and Eli Goss from one of my favorite bands at the moment, The Breathing Effect. Now, for those of you who haven't heard of them, uh, The Breathing Effect is an LA-based synth-heavy rock band uh, that leaves a lasting impression, psychedelic fusion with soul, jazz, and electronic influences signed to LA's Alpha Pup Records label. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to to show you this interview because these are a couple of really cool guys uh, making some really beautiful music. Um, if you want a great example of uh, the sort of stuff that they do, the song that first got me onto them I found in uh, a really good Apple playlist, but it's uh, it's called Shapes That Change Shape from their Photosynthesis album. Uh, and uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes as well where you can find that and also their website. But uh, definitely go check these guys out. Their music is amazing. Uh, they're such nice guys from LA. And uh, it, it was really cool because this this interview uh, and another one that I've got coming, uh, coming up soon in the podcast uh, with another one of my uh, favorite musicians of the moment, uh, they, they really lined up well with uh, going back to university and finishing my, my music degree, which has been quite a transformative experience, uh, just going back and rediscovering uh, what is my own nature, which is uh, creativity, performance, uh, music, art. Uh, and so, um, you know, this has been a really interesting kind of uh, uh, part of my life and uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation with these guys today. You know, as I said, their music's great. So I'd highly recommend you go check that out. And, you know, this interview just gives a really honest uh, picture of the whole journey for them, uh, you know, starting the band, keeping it alive, um, and, you know, their whole creative process, the philosophy behind their music. So check out the links in the show notes. And I present to you, without any further ado, my interview with Harry Terrell and Eli Goss from The Breathing Effect. I, I guess I want to start out. Um, why don't you guys kind of, I don't know, one by one describe to me kind of your career journey to date. Like, you know, when did you first start uh, to understand that you were going to be moving in a music direction? Um, did you study? How did you come together as the band? Um, I'll, I'll let you guys take over. All right. Wow. Um, well, I guess as far as uh personally um i drums are my main instrument and i started getting serious about music when i was like maybe 15 i'd always, i'd been playing since i was like you know eight or nine or ten or something like that but i started getting serious toward the end of high school uh taking lessons really studying and practicing a lot uh doing a lot of listening and then i did study music i went to nyu for uh jazz performance and 
um, learned a ton about uh, just improvisation and um, ended up playing not as much jazz and started during, during our college years, actually, we spent, the band spent a year in Brooklyn. So that, that was a big part of my college experience. Uh, but I also ended up playing in a bunch of indie rock bands. I ended up doing, starting some, um, doing some like production and audio stuff. I started mixing a bit. And then the past, yeah, the past few years, um, sort of being guided by working with Eli um, and, and other things, I've, done a lot more production and audio work. And actually the past couple of years I've started, um, I produced a record for a really good friend of mine, uh, more singer songwriter stuff. I have some solo music that I've been working on and um, I've been doing some like audio editing and mixing for like post-production video stuff uh, recently as well. So the band is definitely a central focus of my musical life but it's sort of been like a lot of different stuff i'm still just a working drummer and bass player well not right now because the world is closed but yeah um but yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of uh i kind of have my fingers in a lot of different pots so to speak mm. um, yeah and i think that that's like the that's a, a very um usual experience for for i mean any musician right it's like we we kind of have to wear many hats um exactly. you know in the music industry and and uh yeah eli you know have have it yourself mate like uh you know start to finish where you're at now um yeah. what's your kind of musical journey been for want of a less cheesy cliche term sure uh so like i kind of feel like from i think harry and i met sort of right at the beginning of both of us falling in love with music as a listening thing like age 12 13 ish yeah, twelve and thirteen, and we and then we would play together. I, I was I was never I never had a teacher because I was really bad at being taught. And um, but I fell in love with the guitar and just had like family members and like Harry show me things. So my my relationship with music has always been, um, like I feel like self taught isn't fair because I also did a bad job of that. Like I just like <laughs> really liked. <laughs> I don't wait, hang on. I have to interject because I don't think that's true. Yeah. Least, exactly. Well, I've just always been fascinated. Like I love, I loved like when I, when, like I remember you were the first person to explain to me like how scales relate to each other. Hmm. And, like I remember very viscerally at age 13 being like, wait a minute, a minor scale is a C major scale. Like that's so crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's my relationship with music is just like and still to this day it's just like wait a minute whoa like you know even still like like what was it the the uh diminished chords are dominant chords like what you just add a note like it's just little all these little things it's, it's all about discovery it's all about this like excitement of learning this thing that i didn't know was previously there and uh i'm curious to hear what you were going to inject interject with though well i was going to interject and say that I don't think it's fair to say that you're not self-taught because you're bad at teaching yourself because you, in my eyes, I mean, you got Ableton when you were what, 14 and then 15 and then totally taught yourself at least through the end of high school. Like for those three years, last three years of high school, you were like, you totally taught yourself how to produce music and how synthesis works and whatever. That's and true. In turn, I taught myself like, yeah, how to, with audio and then kind of like 
stopped being excited about music actually i think that's that's really an important detail is that pretty much up to the point where i went to berkeley college of music i was completely music illiterate and i think even actually um like my ears were stupid like they didn't mm. they didn't get like i would make beats and i would make tracks and i would like put a bass line with a sample and they just wouldn't work <laughs> And I was yeah. like, this is cool, this works. And it like didn't at all. And I listened back to things like that. And I'm like, how did I live with that? It sounds horrible. <laughs> but like, yeah, there was like a long process of getting, and then I like tested into the most basic Berkeley, you know, courses, like the absolute lowest student, lowest ranking. Um, yeah. Because I spent, yes, I spent all of high school basically being like um, not practicing instruments and not, shedding music theory just sort of flying by like oh this sounds good oh i don't remember what i played but it sounded good when i played it uh and yeah and then berkeley was really enlightening even though it kind of was whack like uh the, those those early courses and the ear training like completely opened my brain and like it was this weird experience of like thinking i already knew everything like i already th i was like i know this i already know this and then like mm kind of realizing like wait a minute i didn't know that and now i i actually can hear things and that reignited this like fire to keep getting better and finally actually taking it seriously um you know one of the kind of aspects of a career in music is you're gonna you're gonna be doing multiple things at once and you're gonna be kind of balancing um you know the the whole hustle of making money whilst also making good art um for both of you, like what, what has been the process of, um, of keeping yourselves afloat, like financially as musicians, like what, what sort of, um, avenues are you going down, uh, whether it's gigging festivals, music, uh, you know, music creation. I know Harry, you talked about, um, uh, you know, doing producing and stuff like that. What have been the, the best avenues that you've gone down as a career in, 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 in music? Um, so yeah i mean I, i've definitely worn a ton of different hats in that respect um mm. i've worked quite a few restaurant jobs i worked at a law firm for a bit like just you know trying to make some money lived with my parents for about two years uh up yeah. until up until like eight eight months ago or so um just to you know kind of save money to to make it so that i could afford to keep making art that I wanted to make. Yeah. But you know, I also started doing uh, a lot of kind of audio post-production stuff. And, um, you know, I, I started engineering, like do, do, being a sound guy at a venue for a bit. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a hard balance. I think a lot of it when it comes to like wearing different hats, I think it still is important to, you know, think about the institutions you're working with and for. Um, like when when I was doing sound at a venue, it was a really small venue that, and you know, the money was not great, it was fine, but I really liked the place and I really liked the, my boss who was, you know, managing the bar. And I thought all the music that was coming through the place was really cool, like there, it was very, the, the the artists were very diverse the genres were very diverse like sometimes it was like you know sometimes it was like an eight piece like 
like trad jazz band almost and then other times it was like a solo singer songwriter playing like Joni Mitchell kind of songs you know it's been honestly really hard like as far as financially that that was actually something that got me pretty down on the breathing effect for a while until I sort of stopped you know having having expectations that were too high Mm. for a while I was sort of like we I want to put the work into this band to make it financially viable and then when it wasn't exactly I got you know pretty depressed about that like my expectations weren't met which definitely affected I know affected Eli I know affected the band's output you know so that was that was sort of some reckoning I had to personally do where I had to be like it's okay it is what it is we're going to keep working at it because we love to make the music and you know we're going to keep growing but it's just it's it's really hard i mean there's so much stuff to there's so much stuff to keep track of the yeah. financials are abysmal with having a <laughs> having this, like the band itself like doesn't generate like well the the yeah i mean there there are a few ways to really make money is like things you mentioned earlier like you know touring and playing festivals which mm. Another caveat to this is the band has never really had any help except for our label, who has been yeah. great, to, great to us since you know they put out our first record. But we don't have a manager, we don't have a booking agency, we don't have a publicist, so we've just sort of done everything ourselves, which has been a huge learning experience for me because I've learned mm. a lot along the way. But at the same time, we're not booking any huge festivals. You know, we don't have, we have, we have. Um, you know, a medium-sized listenership of fans that really care about our music, which is more than I could ever ask. But it's not like we have these, you know, huge listening bases where yeah. there's like lots of passive income coming in every month. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What What are some of the highs and lows of the whole process of of creating the band and and you know getting it out to people so far in the career? Um, if not if not one of the best musical moments as a band one of the most satisfying like settings for the band was um we booked this festival called shebang in california like relatively small festival you know it was one day one stage like six or seven acts something like that but it was on a, it was basically on a college campus in san luis obispo and it was probably our biggest crowd yet. It was probably probably a thousand people. And it was just so fun because, you know, it was just like show up, load up onto the stage. You know, you sound check for like a very quick five, 10 minutes. It was hectic. Of super hectic. And then it's like, you know, the house music turns off and you look up and there's a thousand people and it's like, whoa, bam, all right. Here we go. Yeah, let's do that thing, I guess, uh, now. <laughs> I've done that as a drummer with other artists, but it's different when it's your own music. Like, it's like, I'm here to present this music that I've sunk my blood, sweat, and tears into to these people that are here to rock out to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. That's a pretty satisfying place to do it. There's I don't nothing think like performing in front of a good crowd, right? Yeah, it was. It wasn't one of our best shows. We actually, unfortunately, our our regular bass player couldn't make it, so we needed. We had to get a sub bass player who did great, but it was still like you know, it was a little shaky and like couldn't really like hear each other that well. Like our monitor yeah. makes it all yeah. weird, but it was still a very fun experience. Yeah, yeah. A- admittedly, like I okay, so I went to Coachella for the first time when I was thirteen, and I went every year until I was eighteen 
didn't go again until 2017 to see Radiohead, but I have this relationship with festivals, like very much like deep in my personhood. And it is absolutely a dream Mm -hmm. to play them uh, to be on the other end of it. And it it still is. It always has been. It always will be. I see that as sort of a, a huge rite of passage and like that we, that I have, that we haven't yet achieved and that like sort of is like, yeah, that's the goal. That's like, let's get there. Um, and I think that, uh, um, the highest points of the band have been live shows like making uh, the other day though, I was reminiscing about like being in the studio and being in that mindset of making the album and like, for me, it's a very obsessive place. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, same. For, for, yeah, for both of us, it's very obsessive and like, you know. It's very satisfying, but it's not in the moment as much. The highs and lows are intense, like emotionally, when you actually really know that you're like, you're like, we're on the verge of something really important. And this, there's so much like, you just start inventing like stakes for yourself. Like there's so much riding on this. And it's like, it's like there may not be but like um to me that is an interesting conversation in and of itself like if you can remove yourself from that could you potentially make something better or does the passion of that state of mind make its way into the music um i don't know i've had i've had yeah. i've had debates with uh, our other friend about this and uh but yeah like those are those are some highs just like those memories of of being in the thick of it uh and i would encourage like young artists to um i would encourage young artists to not fall into the like genres of wherever they're at i feel like i wasted so much time trying to make like my my beats like slap and like make dubstep sounds and shit and it's just like or whatever like i feel like that shit is a huge distraction and can really discourage you um Mm. like i never really did well on soundcloud it it always with my ego made me sad that i didn't have more followers um i would encourage young artists to like get away from that shit and to be like uh you know excited about um, yeah, about the camaraderie of music in real life, in person, and not and not mm-hmm. not on the interwebs, and not like yeah, I collabed with this dude, but we've never even met each other. Like that shit is like just not as fulfilling. I think um, it I, is I such a communal thing, right? Wrong. It's so yeah, communal. Really like fun. when you get together with musicians and you're playing together, you know, that's why I love live stuff so much. It's because you get into a real flow state where yeah, all of a sudden, state. you know, nobody's playing for themselves. And I think this is often, especially the case in jazz, nobody's playing for themselves. Everybody's trying to listen to everything else and to tune what they're doing to everybody else. And I think something you really, really important that you said there is um, try not to stick just with the genre that you're trying to to play there. It's like, I think that one of the beautiful things about um, musicians and, and I've been kind of thinking about this lately as it pertains to philosophy, and this might be the kind of transition into that kind of discussion, but 
Um, you know, in, in stoicism, uh, kind of we talk about uh, the logos as being kind of the the flow of information the the breath of life uh, you know the our ability to it's kind of like our consciousness right this divine spark of of of, um, of the whole uh, you know providential universe whatever it is that allows us to to communicate and to to create. I often think that um, musicians who kind of just go in the direction that they're being pulled towards creativity, uh, creatively, uh, it's almost like they are, they are engaging in a practice of allowing the logos to flow perfectly through them. Instead of saying, I'm just going to play this or I'm going to play that, or I'm going to stick to this genre. It's like, what is it that creatively I'm trying to let through me right now? Um, and when you let that out, what you create is something that has never been, you know, made available before something brand new, something that creates a, an experience that is brand new. Um, and, and I wanted to jump into that as well. Like what's your creative process when you guys are trying to come up with an album or a song, like what's, what's the process start to finish of, of actually getting that, that, um, that unique sound out that you want. That's yeah, that's a really good question. I think that it's, it, we there have been a, a several different ways that we've like struck that feeling where like the logos is flowing through us you know mm. and i think we haven't actually like boiled it down to a formula of what our process is but like we've i know we found it you know there's there are certain songs that we've made where in the process we sort of get to that point where it's like it's just like conscious flow into the DAW, you know, basically through the instruments and the microphones. It's like, sometimes it comes at a point where we're just starting, or sometimes it comes at a point where like, we've written the song and we've played it together, but on like only a little bit. And then we have all the mics are hot and ready to go and we hit record and then we play it together. And then that sparks the, you know, new thing that we start working on. But I think it's always, it's been like a constant search of what, of what that sweet spot is. Of it's like, it's coming for us. It's like in Pokemon silver version, like we've run into Lugia like a couple times or no, who are those other ones? No, that was the next Pokemon. Oh, oh, not that one. There's in the next one, there's those two, the red and blue ones like, that. Oh yeah. Run into them. Like you just, and you're like, what? I just bumped into this one. And you're like, come so close to catching it. And then it flees. It's like that, man. You're always just right on the precipice of catching that legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Exactly. And you're yeah. never gonna. But if you do, <laughs> you just might be the next John Lennon. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Like, that's, that's a lot of the process, right? Because sometimes you do get into that flow where you're like, oh, I've got to pursue this idea. I've got to pursue this idea. And you keep on going, you keep on going. And then you're just like... Ah, there's something else that's there. I just don't know it. And, and that's, that's what you said before, Eli. It's like the high and low of the creative process is sometimes you can, you can get into that. And then sometimes it's just not there. And the more you push, the less it, it speaks. It's kind of like when I think of the philosophy side of things, I almost think of, of Taoism when it comes to, um, uh, to oh, yeah. the creative process. It's like Alan Watts talking about, you know, when you shut up, that's when it speaks. And then when you try to have all that chatter and like try to control it, that's when, that's when it's going to go away from you. Right. 
I love uh, the thing that I always go back to of all of Alan Watts' things that he says is like, actually using words like try. Like, can we try to do this? It's like, as opposed to just being like, can we do this? You know what I mean? Like, it's this subconscious um, thing where where, where you you almost sabotage yourself from the get-go just with your language that you're using. It's a subconscious block. And, uh, and yeah, I feel like the best moments are when you just start to like, not trick yourself, but just be like, but like get confident. And then that confidence manifests itself as real, uh, as real confidence. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. tell yourself you're confident and you say you're confident and you, you say like, we're going to write this song. Like that's how, that's how, um, blue happened on, on our new album. We had like the album, but we didn't have blue and we were like, this album's not done. It needs like a a more straight ahead song and like we were just like well we got to just make it you know and it was like oh yeah. well you know like what do we do to, how do we you know how do we start songs from scratch again like yeah. every time you know like how do we just and it's like and any song we've ever started from scratch was like almost by accident like just a noodle that we you know we, at least we had some cell of something this time we have like just an idea of what we want and no actual musical content yeah what could that possibly be and yeah it comes from just saying like whatever it is it's gonna happen it's gonna happen we're gonna make it let's sit down right now and just start playing and sometimes though it's 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 like like you were saying uh the more you chase it the more it runs away or like it isn't until you shut up that it comes like uh sometimes that can be just actually come from hours of sorting through something like sometimes you don't you can't shut up until you've Mm. said a billion things and exhausted yourself and then like uh you you pull a whole bunch of pieces together and put them in the the kind of the puzzle sort of thing right you've just you've just written so many shit ideas like that you're just like (laughs) oh i hate this i hate myself uh and then shut up and then you sit, yeah, and then you try one more time. Like you're at that point of just like, I literally am going to abandon the song. And then like five minutes go by, and then like you lay down and you're like angry and upset. And then you like sit back up, pick it up without even thinking about it, play it, and the first line comes to you that you end up using. Yeah. Like, so it's 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 not always like it's it's not always an. It's hard to time. put a finger on it. It's yeah, really it's, like, really hard to put a finger on what that process not always is. Zen, not always beautiful. Sometimes you're yeah. like in a bad mood and it comes out or sometimes you <laughs> yeah i've definitely <laughs> listened to music where you can tell that they were in a bad mood when they uh, composed yeah. of it you know I, I almost think it's like similar to the uh to the hero's journey it's like you it, what you just said there is like okay we, we just need to start playing right you know sometimes i mean you, you take that over to life as well sometimes even if you know, things aren't going well for you. You're not getting the results that you want. You're not getting the, you know, the direction that you want. Sometimes you actually just have to take that first step and just go out and start doing something. And when you start doing something, the creative juices start flowing cognitively. You start building connections. Um, And I've noticed that as well with music. It's it's like, you know, it's something like it's, it's, it's an action. You have to actually be doing something to 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 let something happen um and yeah like it's it's crazy because writing a new song right like i'm sure you guys will find this it's 
it's a liberating process, but it's also horrifying because like when you finished a song, oh crap, now we have to do a new one. So we have to start start from scratch and then yeah. go all the way through the process again. And then it's like, yes, we've done it. And then, oh gosh, let's do this again. And it's the hero's journey. Yeah. You go and, out, and- you try something and you know, you, you face all this resistance and then finally you yeah. catch an idea and you start going with it. And then you bring that new information forward into the future, um, you know, back to your tribe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And conversely, to the, to like the just doing it thing. Like we actually have so much deliberation in our music making process um, and have had just like a lot of talking and not doing, which, which it's hard to say how much of that has just been like fucking up the process or how much of that Mm. actually is the process. Um, Cause like, I know Harry is a strong advocate for the deliberation uh i don't know not always i think i think sometimes it does more harm than help sometimes we talk ourselves in circles but then i think to think i think about things like like when we were writing like visions or like like uh just like being like playing things and being like what if this happened what if this happened what if this happened like you're not gonna do that without talking like but i think that's i think things and like whatnot well i think that's just part of having a you know a dialogue between multiple people because when you're just writing a song alone all that dialogue happens in your head subconsciously like you're sort of right you don't have to say any of the words because your brain is doing all the talking itself right but like when we're i feel i feel like i feel like the sweet spot in our creative process is when our deliberation when we're first of all when we're at our instruments or at, oh at yeah, 100%. there's no, there's nothing. No, there's been no worse low points than when we're just not even making any music and we're just yeah. talking about how just we should. arguing about how it's, the music should be made. Yeah, yeah, so bad that has but, happened way yeah. too many times. But I think the sweet spot for us is when we're at our instruments and the deliberation about how the music should be is like feels like a subconscious flow, like that logos you were talking about, mm. and is totally interspersed with the actual playing of it. You know, it's like, we'll play one sock, one section or one, you know, little cell of an idea and then be like, okay, wait, now do this here, try it again. And then we do it again. You know, it's like, it's like when that yin and yang are really talking to each other. Like it's really, it really feels like it's one organism and it's sort of like growing Mm. sort of growing something together you know the best yeah. producers are masters of that art too right like you you take people who are just like you're just like what is so good about these producers why are, why are they the producer you know you can hear all these names and it's like because you don't see the part where they're sitting there and they have an idea of like oh hey session musician or hey like artist singer like do it this way instead of this way and you don't see how tactfully they say it exactly. like and they don't go yeah. like maybe try this or they're just like fucking and they don't use like confusing language either it's just like the best like, producer. do it with more ass yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and you're like do it with more ass i could have told them that it's like yeah but no but you wouldn't have you would have overthought it and second guessed like they've done this a billion times they know how to speak to musicians. They know how to speak to artists. And like, that's a flow state in and of itself, but it involves words. So yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and that's, that's like the music, that's like the language of music, uh, which is so interesting as well. Cause you know, when you're trying to create something away and you're trying to, the language that musicians use is their music. And so how do you convey the feeling that you want to get from your music other than with saying, yeah, it needs more ass, you know, or like, or, you know, like I've heard some amazing quotes from say like Miles Davis. Have you you seen an interview where Herbie described how he thought Miles told him one thing, but he actually said a different thing. Not to to play the butter notes. Is that the the butter note? (laughs) For context, for those people who are listening, Herbie is, uh, Herbie was playing with Miles Davis and, and um, Miles comes up to him and says something like, yeah, man, don't play the butter notes, you know? And he's just like, what does that mean? But he took it to mean, you know, I, I think he took it to mean don't, don't play the basic notes of the chord, you know, go outside of that and see what yeah. other colors you can. Um, but, but he didn't even, knows like, what he really he didn't meant. even really use the word butter at all. Like he said something completely yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, and Miles is full of those things. Hey, Miles Davis was just full of those, that, li- that little, you know, esoteric kind of jazz language. Um, and uh, yeah. To it, bottom it, notes. That's what he really said. The bottom. Is notes. that really what, okay. I think is that that's right? what he, I, if I remember correctly, I feel like it's something. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. So it's, it's like, but, but then he took that idea. Herbie took that idea and turned it into something brilliant, which um, Herbie, changed yeah. his career forever. Also, um, yeah, for what it's worth, we love Herbie Hancock. Oh, who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. If yeah, I, I don't know anyone who <laughs> state the obvious Eli. But uh <laughs> in terms of like the philosophy of your music, you know, I, I guess I kind of um yeah, I really do think that it's hard to paint a picture of the message that you're trying to get across with your music. Cause it's kind of like the musicians, it's like, well, listen, you know, like that's the language that we're speaking in. You'll get it if, you know, if you, if you get it, but um, you know, what is the kind of philosophy to the best of your um, explanation behind the music that you guys are playing? What are you trying, like, what are you, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish with your music? a deep question yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know it's difficult (laughs) i mean it's changed like i think that i think that with mars it was just like let's make the greatest album ever made (laughs) (laughs) that's like a huge part of it is just like let's we're gonna make our okay computer we're gonna make you know our it's a, it's very much like idolization so much idolization has gone i feel like it of a, of a very interesting combination of idols i think like from mm. from radiohead to yeah. pink floyd you know there's like to to like you know yeah like charles mingus charles mingus and like fusion herbie hancock you know like but, yeah. yeah and 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 radiohead was listening to miles during okay computer that's what they were inspired by i mean not yeah. like to make it sound like that but yeah maybe a little bit but anyway yeah i mean the to i'd say as of right now my goal like when we just put these things out during quarantine i think those were really deliberate those were very much like um the world needs some chill shit right now some stuff that isn't as serious like some stuff that's maybe a little bit more fun to listen to or a little bit more meditative to listen to uh functional music is a thing that i'm more more caring about now than than i was back then when it was just sort of all about exploration and just like 
what's what oh what, what if we did this what if we did this and it was just like like a puzzle like just making a puzzle or making some sort of just throwing everything on the onto the canvas uh now it's a lot more it's a lot more deliberate and i think also harry and i haven't actually even been in the same place for the last like four months um we were just talking on the phone last night about how things would continue like uh we have no idea but last yeah. night i couldn't fall asleep and I was like, and I got back to daydreaming about the band, which is something I would do constantly in the making of albums, like not being able to sleep and like be, and just be spinning like so fast. I, I hope that's really, like, you're shaking your head like that's a relatable thing. I'm just like, what if I tried this? What if I tried this? Uh, that's the obsessive shit. And um, that started happening again last night for the first time in a while. So I don't know. Mm. Uh, like, but more about like stage, more about the stage and like what could happen on stage, what could be really engaging? Um, like what could be new engaging things that we could do? And what are we, what are, yeah, what emotions are we, are we trying to evoke and how could we evoke them? Cause I, I think, I think we've fallen into traps or I've personally fallen into traps. Can't speak for everyone. Like, uh, but I've fallen into traps of like, just be, like things just being too heady, just thinking about it too much and not just playing the instrument and, uh, and not thinking about the effect it'll have on the audience, but just thinking about like how interesting the idea is in and of itself. And I think that's bad. Yeah. I'm trying to try to get away from that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't really have an answer to like what, do we want to give the audience? Like, what are we trying to evoke? I think every mm. project's well, gonna have a different. I, I have I have sort of a vague answer, um, is that it, it's hard for me to say what we were thinking when we were 21, going that far back, but like, especially in the last like three, four years, I think uh, the two of us and the four of us as a full band have done so much growing as people that I think that's sort of inevitably reflected in, in our music, in the, like, you know, the actual, so the way the songs grow in the lyrics in some cases. Um, and yeah, I think it, that can be interpreted in a lot of ways. I think it's like, it's both, I think it's personal growth. I think especially with the last couple things that we made that we just put on Bandcamp, like that were very low key releases there, they were made remotely kind of in a, not in a pinch, but like pretty quickly. I think growth <laughs> is, is sort of a, uh, a big theme in all of those like growth and personal development and development of things around you, you know, trying to, trying to help other people grow, trying to help other, you know, systems around you grow. Uh, I think all of that in, in some way, whether or not it's, you know, totally abstract in mm. some cases or, you know, very literal in some lyrics or something, I think is sort of there. Um, and also with the last few things, growth of uh, plants has been... Um, we like plants. Yeah, we like plants a lot. We like okay, plants. living, I just moved up to a part of California where there's a lot more plants. And let me tell mm -hmm. you, 
makes us look like some posers. Yeah. That's the perfect way to put it. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> like seriously. Plants are so cool. We're like some fucking city boys. Like, yep. plants, man. Yeah, what a concept. Meanwhile, I mean, like, we're not watering plants. We don't water plants. Like, you I know, these people are up, up here watering gardens. I got plants. I got, I got a garden. I water my garden. Yeah, sure you do. I do. I got plants. <laughs> as much as I want to, um, uh, as as much as I want to be a steward of plants, I think that our home is where plants come to die. We've tried oh, really? to keep, we've just our apartment. Like we've tried okay. to keep so many plants alive in here, um, and I'm doing really well with two plants right now. Like as in, well, you. well means they're still alive and they're not dead. Like that's that's what. Wow. That's yeah. What it means. yeah. But uh, let, let's transition. Uh, Sorry, go on. Before we transition, and I, this is like the fifth time I've done this, but I have to get this last word in. Yeah. Um, it, it could be more simple than everything we just said. Like, I think that like, there's something that we all know what it is when you listen to music and you're like, yeah. just like, mm. just like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I love this. You just like not thinking about anything else. It just hits you and it feels good. You get those shit. That's, that's what we're going for. That's yeah. always what we've been going for. That's what we're going for. When we make the music, we're doing that to our own music. We're like, and I, I think that's yeah. how you know when you like are making something good is, is if you're just, you listen back to it and you're just like, oh, that one crash cymbal hit with the bass note, oh, you know? Yeah. Like it's not, it's not really much more philosophical than that or it hasn't been. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a satisfaction that like sort of, it sort of transcends any, you know, philosophy behind the thing. It's like when it's coming through, whether it's the iPhone speakers or, you know, some like serious audiophile monitors or whatever, it just like triggers something in your brain and you just feel it. Yeah. And, and it's tough to create those moments, but when you create those moments, you like it, it's, it's a very exciting time. Hey, cause, and, and, I think it's always, it's always uh, just a mystery when, when you listen back to your own music and you actually like it. I think that's when you really know that you've created something that's at least okay. It's like when you actually love the thing that you've created. Um, and, and I think that that does transfer to people. I think it does. You know, I think um, in the same way that a comedian who stands on stage and really almost hypnotizes the crowd into being in kind of sync with him. I think that's what musicians do as well. When you create something that is so powerful for you as an experience, yeah. I think that um, it transfers to the audience, uh, at least totally. to the people who love your music. Um, this has been so much fun. Um, I love your music. Uh, please keep on, go uh, you know, keep on doing it. And yeah, keep on, uh, you know, doing what you're doing because it, it's wonderful. And I'm going to have links to all of your albums in the show notes and, as well so that people can go check and it if out. You listen, for people who listen to the whole thing, and earlier we mentioned the name of Mars and you, you always wondered how we got the name. Uh, go read the book. Just read that book. And oh, sorry, what was that? Did you say Doors of Perception? Oh, Sirens of Titan. Oh, Sirens. Okay, like, Sirens like of Titan. Vonnegut. Yeah, we didn't have a name, and then, like, and it was killing us that we didn't have a name. And we had all these like names that were like corny, like uh, uh, you dreamt your way. You dreamt you dreamt your way here, and all these like yeah. Alan Watts type like new agey names and shit that were like totally lame. And uh, 
and we were like that's just not right like it's we're gonna look back in that and cringe and you know and then like and i was reading sirens of titan harry had read sirens of titan and our friend lee had read it and we were all standing there and i had the book with me i was like i'm just gonna open this book to a random page and whatever it is no matter what that's the thing <laughs> and we're like okay and like just open it up and it was like mars is a very bad place for love what what wasn't <laughs> that's isn't brilliant. that isn't that, the first <laughs> like, isn't that the first half of a sentence though wasn't there you know it's a quote it's like it's um ike someone says that to ike like the sergeant or the colonel or whatever says it to or ike what's his name uh that uh, oh, unk, unk. someone says it to unk. Unk. yeah unk he like on mars like he's like on mars which is like, <laughs> like i love it that's one of my favorite album names ever mars is a very bad place for love it's, it's like man that's uh <laughs> how do you even begin to start the <laughs> it was as exciting for us as, as it is for anyone yeah oh, i can only imagine that moment because yeah, open the book we're like Whoa! I know how musicians think. And when you read something like that, you're going to be like, damn, that's good. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey guys, I'm going to, I'm going to click stop. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the practical stoic podcast. If you'd like to sign up for email updates, join my Patreon meetup groups that we hold weekly, or if you'd like to offer feedback or suggestions for future guests or topics on the show, then you can head to simonjedrew.com. There you'll also find information about how we can work one-on-one together with my alignment coaching, based around the philosophical principles found in Stoicism. Finally, if you are on Facebook, then I'd love to see you in our group, The Practical Stoic Mastermind. But hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I'll talk to you next time.